Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Welcome everyone to Too Good to Be True. Thank you for taking the time to listen. The subject of today's show is Ancient Egypt Part 2. We're going to continue from Ancient Egypt Part 1 with the same disclaimers. But here's another shout out to the listener who suggested the subject. You didn't watch the clock very well during the last episode, so let's make sure we actually get finished this time. I got a little too engrossed in the subject matter. Well, we started on the theme of reading and writing and math and how they were developed and when and where ancient Egyptian civilization started. That led to the amazing content of many hieroglyphs. You seem to dwell a lot on the elongated skulls of the pharaohs and royals, including who actually was King Tut's mom. The psychic insights of the parents were cousins. My thought process was that the royals with the elongated skulls may have interbred to keep their DNA and royal bloodline intact. I was thinking that the divine right of kings, for which, monarchs, for which a monarch is subject to no earthly authority, may have originated in ancient Egypt. We ended on the subject of the Dendera lights, a hieroglyph that showed ancient Egyptians using what definitely appeared to be electrical devices. Why don't you ask the remaining questions that we didn't have enough time for in part one? Here's the first question that was not included in part one. It is related to a hieroglyph. Is the sun disk suspended between two horns associated with the goddess Hathor a representation of the reflecting mirror of an arc lamp. That could be said, yes. Are any of the images in the Dendera Lights hieroglyph a representation of a fertility rite based on Egyptian mythology? Not exactly, no. Did the ancient Egyptians have working light bulbs in the form of crooks tubes? It's a little more complicated than that, but yes. In Egyptian art, is the serpent a symbol of divine energy? Yes and no. The serpent can also represent something not great, but it depends on how the serpent is drawn. When inside pyramids or burial chambers, what did the ancient Egyptians use for light sources? Basically, it could be side advanced technology, and they had giant batteries not in the form of the batteries today to power. So when the Egyptians left the area, they took this technology with them and destroyed most of it. So that answers the question of why it can't be found today, because the Egyptians weren't stupid. What can we learn from what we have discovered in part one about ancient Egypt? One, that it can be confirmed that the Egyptians did have extra help, 
and that seems like a crazy concept to some, but to others makes perfect sense. Since the question lies, are humans the only beings in the universe? That would be a very complicated thought. And also that the ancient Egyptians are very intelligent. You can see that form when you were asking about the alphabet, learning, their structures, etc. But it can be said that there were good and bad parts to ancient Egypt. So it is portrayed as a magical place in a way, but it wasn't exactly that. There were bad parts and good parts. And there are multiple downfalls within having extraterrestrials and humans interact. And for many different reasons, including ancient Egypt, provides examples of why extraterrestrials don't just show themselves to humans today. Getting back to the subject of DNA as discussed in part one, the website igenea.com advertises the Tutankhamun DNA project. Here's a quote from their site soliciting fees for DNA testing. Quote, are you a direct male descendant of the pharaohs? IGNA exclusively publishes the Y-DNA profile of Tutankhamun and starts a search for his last living relatives. In the year 2009, extended DNA tests have been carried out with the mummy of Tutankhamun and for other members of his family. These have only been partially published in February of 2010. Despite several demands, the results of the Y-DNA tests have been shut away. Igenea was able to reconstruct the Y-DNA profile of Tutankhamun, his father, Akinhantan, and his grandfather, Amenhotep III, with the help of a recording of the Discovery Channel. The astonishing result, Tutankhamun belongs to the haplogroup R-M269, which more than 50% of all men in Western Europe belongs to, unquote. The incentive is that if your DNA is a good match with Tutankhamun's, you get your money back in a further DNA test for free. What's a haplogroup, as in Tutankhamun belonging to the haplogroup R-M269? The website DNA Explained provides an explanation for haplogroups as, as well as Y-DNA. Quote, think of a haplogroup as an ancestral clan, a large family-like like the Celts or Vikings. These will be larger than Native American tribes, encompassing members of many tribes. There are two male Native American haplogroups that include all Native American males. There are a few more African clans or haplogroups, but not many. There are clans for the Y chromosome, which is of course tested by the Y DNA test at Family Tree, at Family Tree DNA and generally follows the paternal surname up and down the tree. Y-DNA is passed from father to son only through the Y-chromosome, which only males possess, unquote. So many Western Europeans could be descendants of the pharaohs. But I think we should move on now to the new theme for part two. In part one, we ended up talking about the use of electrical power. So I think continuing with engineering achievements would be a good idea. The obvious place to start is with the pyramids. I personally don't believe in the explanation of building them by armies of slaves hauling huge stones up dirt ramps. But there are two types of pyramids, the earlier step pyramids and the later true pyramids that everyone is familiar with. Does any evidence of human activity involved in building the pyramids exist today? There are hieroglyphs showing the work being done. Also, there is the diary of Mera written by Mera who wrote that he commanded a boat crew of 40 
Discovered in 2013, it is written on papyrus. It contains two logbooks describing several months of work transporting limestone from Torah, where it was quarried, to build a great pyramid at Giza. A round trip by boat took three to five days. The Great Pyramid at Giza is the largest of the three in the Giza complex. Before we get any further, where did the word pyramid come from? Different sources have different origins, but one source states that pyramid is derived from the Greek word pyramidus, meaning far in the middle. There were no smokestacks in the pyramids, but when you hear the word, you think of a square base and four sloping triangular sides. When were the stepped pyramids built, and are there any to see today? Here's part of an article on pyramids from the History Channel website. Quote, from the beginning of the dynastic era, that's 2950 BC, royal tombs were carved into rock and covered with flat roof rectangular structures known as mastabas, which were precursors to the pyramids. The oldest known pyramid in Egypt was built around 2630 BC at Saqqara for the third dynasty's King Dozier. Known as the Step Pyramid, it began as a traditional mastaba but grew into something much more ambitious. As the story goes, the pyramid's architect was Imhotep, a priest and healer, who some 1400 years later will be deified as the patron saint of scribes and physicians. Over the course of Doja's nearly 20-year reign, pyramid builders assembled six step layers of stone that eventually reached a height of 204 feet or 62 meters. It was, a it was the tallest building of its time. The step pyramid was surrounded by a complex of courtyards, temples, and shrines where Dozier would enjoy his afterlife. After Dozier, the step pyramid became the norm for royal burials, although none of those planned by his dynastic successors were completely uh, were completed. Unquote. The pyramid is still standing. Imhotep was also believed to be a sculptor, government official, astrologer, and a, and a magician. When were the true pyramids built? The History Channel continues, quote, The earliest tomb constructed as a true pyramid was the Red Pyramid at Dashur, one of the three burial structures built for the first king of the fourth dynasty, Sneferu. Uh, he lived from 2613 to 2589 BC. It was named for the color of the limestone blocks used to construct the pyramid's core, unquote. It only took about 20 or 30 years to go from stepped to two pyramids, but how many pyramids are there in Egypt? Different sources state different numbers. The lowest number consistently reported appears to be 80. You said earlier you don't believe the explanation for building them with lots of slaves and dirt ramps. Why is that? No evidence of dirt ramps has ever been discovered. In any event, construction would be too slow. According to the website Cheops Pyramid, the rate of delivery to build the Great Pyramid at Giza was one quarried stone weighing two and a half tons every minute. There were two and a half million stones put in place over a maximum of 23 years. I don't think the very best of today's technology could keep pace with that. Remarkably, the stones fit together almost perfectly without gaps between them. What other theory is there besides dirt ramps and brute force? I read about lifting giant rocks in Tibet some time ago. What do they do in Tibet, which is obviously a long way from Egypt? This is included in the book Anti-Gravity and the World Grid, edited by, edited by D.H. Childress. 
The paperback edition was published in 1987. Chapter 8 was written by Bruce Cathy and includes the following text, but I think we're going to have to go and continue this after the break. Yes, after the break, we will continue talking about the pyramids and the supposed anti-gravity and Tibet. But you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xcbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone radio show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone broadcast network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo-TV plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. We live in rapidly shifting times of extreme volatility and uncertainty. Such profound change brings a unique opportunity for the evolution of consciousness. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, host of Mission Evolution Radio Show, a program that explores the latest scientific developments and deepening spiritual truths supporting human evolution. Join me on xzbn.net, where I interview leading experts in science, physics, medicine, spirituality, and more. By applying divergent viewpoints to leading-edge topics, we uncover expansive and evolutionary truth to assist you on your path to enlightenment. More information and past episodes are available at missionevolution.org.
welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, we were talking about the building of the pyramids and how they were possibly built. And Dad, before the break, you were talking about the book Anti-Gravity and the World Grid by D.H. Childress. And that's talking about Tibet and how they supposedly use anti-gravity techniques to actually build pyramids in Tibet. Well, actually, it was to lift stones, not build pyramids, but anyway. Um, I'm going to continue the quote. It's rather a long, complicated one. And uh, the person describing the quote is Dr. Jarl, a Swedish medical doctor. His friend is a young Tibetan student who had met Dr. Jarl while studying at Oxford University, England. They traveled to Tibet in 1939. Quote, one day his friend took him to a place in the neighborhood of the monastery and showed him a sloping meadow which was surrounded in the northwest by high cliffs. One of the rock walls at a height of about 250 meters was a big hole which looked like the entrance to a cave. In front of this hole, there was a platform which the monks were building a rock wall. The only access to this platform was from the top of the cliff and the monks lowered themselves down with the help of ropes. In the middle of the meadow, about 250 meters from the cliff was a polished slab of rock with a bowl-like cavity in the center. The bowl had, <coughs> excuse me, the bowl had a diameter of one meter and a depth of 15 centimeters. A block of stone was maneuvered into this cavity by yak oxen. The block was one meter wide and one and a half meters long. Then 19 musical instruments were set in an arc of 90 degrees at a distance of 63 meters from the stone slab. The radius of 63 meters was measured out accurately the musical instruments consisted of 13 drums and six trumpets. Eight drums had a cross section of one meter and a length of one and a half meters. Four drums were medium sized with a cross section of 0.7 meter and a length of one meter. The only, the only small drum had a cross section of 0.2 meters and a length of 0.3 meters. All of the trumpets were the same size. They had a length of 3.12 meters and an opening of 0.3 meters. The big drums and all the trumpets were fixed on mounts which could be adjusted with staffs in the direction of the slab of stone. The big drums were made of one millimeter thick sheet iron and a weight and a, and a weight of 150 kilograms. They were built in five sections. All the drums were open at one end while the other end had a bottom of metal on which the monks beat with giant leather clubs. Behind the instrument, each instrument was a row of monks. When the stone was in position, a monk behind the small drum gave a signal to start the concert. The small drum had a very sharp sound and could be heard even with the other instruments making a terrible din. All the monks were singing and chanting a prayer, slowly increasing the tempo of this unbelievable noise. During the first four minutes, nothing happened. Then as the speed of the drumming and the noise increased, the big stone block started to rock and sway and suddenly it took off into the air with an increase in speed in the direction of the platform in front of the cave hole, 250 meters high. After three minutes of its ascent, it landed on the platform. Continuously brought new blocks to the meadow and the monks using the method transported five to six blocks per hour on a parabolic flight track, approximately 500 meters long and at 250 meters high. From time to time, a stone split and the monks moved the split stones away. Quite an unbelievable task. Dr. Junior knew about the hurling of the stones. Tibetan experts like Linaver, Spalding and Huck had spoken about it. 
but they'd never seen it. So Dr. Yao was the first foreigner had the opportunity to see this remarkable spectacle. Because he had the opinion in the beginning that, that he was a victim of mass psychosis, he made two films of the incident. The films show exactly the same thing that he had witnessed. The English society for which Dr. Yao was working confiscated the two films and declared them classified. They will not be released until 1990. This action is rather hard to explain or understand." Unquote. That was an incredible account. If the films or movies had actually been disclassified, I think we would have heard about it. But there are several YouTube videos claiming that levitation by sound waves in Tibet is real. Returning to Egypt, I stumbled across the incredible fact that the base of the pyramid of uh, the Great Pyramid at Giza is not square. The pyramid has eight sides. The following is from the website curiosity.com. Quote, the base of the Great Pyramid at Giza is square, right? Well, not quite. Despite what you may think about this ancient structure, the Great Pyramid is an eight-sided figure, not a four-sided figure. Each of the pyramid's four sides are evenly split from base to tip by, a very, subtle by very subtle concave indentations. It is believed that this discovery was made in 1940 by a British Air Force pilot named P. Groves as he was flying over the pyramid. Groves reportedly noticed the strange sight and took a photograph showing shadows that revealed the indentations. Some believe these subtle lines are only visible from above and at dawn and dusk on the spring and autumn equinoxes. This leads some conspiracy theorists to think that, the, to think that ancient Egyptians built the pyramids to perhaps communicate with something above." Unquote. Are there other eight-sided pyramids? Not that I could find. The rest seem to be all four-sided. But why were the pyramids actually built? We had earlier heard that the step pyramids were used for burial. On another show, we'd learned that Tutankhamun's burial chamber was not in a pyramid, but was cut into the ground in the Valley of the Kings. So besides being used for burial, it has been suggested that the pyramids were either built for grain storage or for electric power generation. Grain storage doesn't make too much sense as there is little space inside the pyramids. From part one, the hieroglyph, the Dendrea lights, with its pictures of electrical devices, strongly suggests that the ancient Egyptians used electrical power. But how did the pyramids generate electricity? From the website WordPress, authored by Alex Imray, there is an explanation. Quote, the outer case in the Great Pyramid was covered with white tufa limestone, so tightly built that not even a razor blade could fit between the blocks. The white tufa limestone does not contain magnesium and has high insulating properties. The insulation properly prevented the electricity inside the pyramid from being released without control. The stone blocks used inside the pyramid were made of another form of limestone containing crystal, which is an extremely high electrical conductor and a small amount of metal, which allows for maximum power transmission. The shafts inside the pyramid were lined with granite. Granite as a conductor is a slightly radioactive substance and permits the ionization of the air inside these shafts. When we look at insulated electric cable, when we look at an insulated electric cable, we see that conductive and insulation materials are used in the same way as in the pyramids. The conductive and insulating properties of the pyramids are an example of the flawless engineering of the ancient Egyptians. However, 
the source of energy is needed for electrical for electrical generation. The Giza plateau where the pyramids stand is full of underground water channels. The pyramids rise above limestone layers, the spaces between them being full of water. These special layers of rock that transmit electricity to upward as they carry underground water to the surface are known as aquifers. The high volume flow of the river Nile that passes through these aquifers produces an electric current. This is known as physioelectricity. The pyramids underground chambers are granite conductors built within the rock charged with physioelectricity. The electric current is conducted directly to the upper part of the pyramid's granite covered subterranean chambers. Granite is a very good conductor of electricity. The electromagnetic field that forms at the bottom of the pyramid is transmitted in, in a concentrated form to the to upper layers of the pyramid. On the top of the pyramid, there was a gold capstone, gold being an excellent conductor of electricity. This section is no longer there in our day. This means the top of the pyramid has lost its structure of flawless geometry. This gold capstone facilitated a conductive power for the transfer of negative ions to the ionosphere. In this way, a current was generated." Unquote. All of that was written to seem plausible, but doesn't explain how the power was transmuted or transmitted to appliances. The article goes on to discuss the work of Nikola Tesla, who apparently achieved wireless power. Here's a quote from the same WordPress article, which refers to Tesla's Wardenclyffe Tower, built between 1901 and 1917. Quote, Tesla had also built his tower above an aquifer and discharged the negative ions from the aquifer to the tower. Electromagnetic technology used in Tesla's famous tower is identical to the electromagnetic field set up in the construction of the pyramids. Both systems generate negative ions and transmit them without the need for electric cables." Unquote. Earlier you mentioned that pyramid is derived from the Greek word pyramidos, meaning fire in the middle. If the pyramids did generate electrical power, then the name probably makes sense. But were the sub-pyramids used for burial or power generation, there may not have been the same gold capstones for those as they appear to have the wrong shape. Yeah, it's fascinating that Tesla appeared to understand the technology of the pyramids. What else should we know about the pyramids except that a lot of technology must have been lost? The exact north-south alignment of the Great Pyramid at Giza is stunning. The following is from the University of Singapore's Math Department's website. I think I'll have to continue this quote after the break, Justina. Yes, I think we'll have to talk about the north-south alignment of the Great Pyramid after the short break. And you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net.
from our broadcast studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, to the world and beyond. You're watching the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simultv, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simultv. Simultv offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnick's, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the Word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God, it was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God. And finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. 
Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, we were talking about the pyramids and the Great Pyramid at Giza. And Dad, you were just about to quote from the University of Singapore's math department about the north-south alignment of the pyramid. Yes, I was. Here we go. Quote, the Great Pyramid's north-south axis is aligned to within three sixtieths of a degree of true north-south. It would be worthwhile to note that this alignment is more accurate than that of the Meridian Building at the Greenwich Observatory in London, which deviates from true north by nine-sixtieths of a degree. Even though there is no evidence in ancient texts that the Egyptians used astronomical knowledge in the construction of the pyramids, it seemed possible that they did indeed possess such knowledge and had used it in finding the true north, unquote. How would they know what true north was? If they had used compasses to find the magnetic north, they would have been off by a lot more than a fraction of a degree. They may have used astronomy. Here is the Orion correlation theory from Wikipedia. Quote, the Orion correlation theory is a hypothesis in alternative Egyptology. It posits there is a correlation between the location of the three largest pyramids of the Giza pyramid complex and Orion's belt of the constellation Orion, and that, the, and that this correlation was intended as such by the original builders of the Giza pyramid complex. The stars of Orion were associated with Osiris, the god of rebirth and, and afterlife by the ancient Egyptians. Depending on the version of the theory, additional pyramids can be included to complete the picture of the Orion constellation and the Nile River can be included to match with the Milky Way galaxy. The theory was first published in, 18, sorry, in 1989 in Discussions in Egyptology, Volume 13. It was the subject of a bestseller, The Orion Mystery, in 1994, as well as a BBC documentary, The Great Pyramid, Gateway to the Stars. That was in February of 1994, and appears in some New Age books, unquote. I think we could go on for much longer on the wonders of the pyramids and how our understanding of the Bronze Age technology would have not allowed their construction. But I think we have some time left to talk about the Great Sphinx. In part one, we learned that sphinxes could be extraterrestrial in origin. We're talking about the Great Sphinx because there are other sphinxes in Egypt, including those along the Kibash Road in Luxor, which was originally lined with 1,200 sphinxes. These were believed to be built by Amenhotep III in the 12th century BC. The Great Sphinx with the Great Pyramids in the background provides the iconic image of Egypt. And some believe that the Sphinx is actually guarding the pyramids. Yes, I didn't realize before the early 20th century that the Great Sphinx was mostly covered in sand. Wikipedia provides a description. Quote, the Great Sphinx of Giza commonly referred to as the Sphinx of Giza or just the Sphinx, is a limestone statue of a reclining Sphinx, a mythical creature with the body of a lion and the head of a human, facing directly from west to east. 
It stands on the Giza Plateau on the west bank of the Nile in Giza, Egypt. The face of the Sphinx is generally believed to re represent the Pharaoh Khafre. Cut from the bedrock, the original shape of the Sphinx has been restored with layers of blocks. It measures 73 metres or 240 feet long from pole to tail, 20.21 millimetres or 66.31 feet in height from the base to the top of the head and 19 metres or 62 feet wide at its rear haunches. It is the oldest known monumental sculpture in Egypt and is commonly believed to have been built by ancient Egyptians of the Old Kingdom during the reign of, reign of the Pharaoh Khafre, that was from 2,558 to 2,532 BC, unquote. Are there any inscriptions or hieroglyphs that provide any information? I don't think that there are. Facing east is looking to the sun as it rises, but I don't know why that would be significant. There have been lots of theories associated with a hidden chamber under the Sphinx. Is that been hidden? That has been hidden from us. Yeah, a book published in 2017, Secret Chamber Revisited by Robert Baval, asks lots of questions and suggests a well-organized cover-up. A hidden chamber was reported as a new discovery in 1935, and after that, the subject appeared to disappear. The book asks many questions, including, is there a hidden hall of records from Atlantis beneath the Great Sphinx? According to Sleeping Prophet Edgar, Edgar Cayce, records were received at Sagara at the time of Imhotep. Sagara, as we learned earlier, is the site of the oldest known pyramid with Himotep believed to be the architect. That was a step pyramid. With that, I think it's time for the first question. I will ask the first question for part two. With Tutankhamun's parents being cousin cousins, was Queen Nefertiti Tutankhamun's mother? Not exactly, no. So no, not really. Was another person Tutankhamun's mother? Yes. Did the royal family inbreed in order to maintain their extraterrestrial DNA? They did, but they in interbred in different ways. So that's why the family tree is so complicated, because the reproduction isn't the same as humans. So there's not really one certain mother and father. So that's why the answer was not really a no, because it's not the birth mother as of humans think. So it would be a whole other discussion to talk about reproduction, but it's a different reproduction than humans. Has the true nature of Tutankhamun's and Queen Nefertiti's extraterrestrial DNA been determined? You mean by humans? Yes. No, it has not. The technology is not advanced enough, and it would take some belief that extraterrestrials exist to actually study the DNA more in detail. So there's some information known, but a lot of it is still unknown. When experts go about DNA analysis, they wouldn't recognize what they are seeing. Is that correct? Exactly. Even with human DNA, they don't fully understand. Why does it matter whether an individual has DNA within haplogroup R-M269, the haplogroup of Tutankhamun? It doesn't really exactly matter. But the only reason it would matter is to relate it back to the Egyptian families and try to make that connection. So technically, it would mean that they might have some similar DNA. However, again, the markers and how DNA is tested is accurate to an extent, but is only accurate enough for what te technology allows. 
So that's a complicated part is that there's still more information about DNA to be discovered and the markers are more complicated than even now if that is known. Do more than 50% of all men in Western Europe belong to the haplogroup R-M269? For scientific purposes, yes. Are more than 50% of all men in Western Europe descendants of Tutankhamun? No, and that's where it gets confusing, is that the lines of these markers aren't exactly straight lines. It's more that there are many different possibilities for where the lines started. Are some of the men in Western Europe descendants of Tutankhamun, but not so many? Yes, exactly. Were the pyramids built by armies of slaves dragging massive quarried stones up dirt ramps? No. Was quarried limestone transported from Torah to Giza to build the Great Pyramid? Yes, there's transportation of the limestone. Did it take three to five days to make the round trip? Approximately, depending on weather. Did crews row with oars to provide the boats with propulsion? No. Was there anything we don't know today about the boats used to transport massive quarried stones? Yes, there is more. You could say advanced technology that was used to actually move the boats since the limestone was too heavy. And with human manpower, it would be possible, but it would take weeks, not days. Is the word pyramid derived from the Greek word pyramidus, meaning far in the middle? Yes. Were the step pyramids developed from flat roof rectangular burial chambers? Not exactly. What was the step pyramid? What were the step pyramids developed from? Basically the strength of a triangle. So it's something that will last time. And that was why the pyramid was built the way it was. So the shape could last. So even, a, even in a rectangular building, they were using the strength of a triangle like a modern day bridge truss. Yes. After the Doja Pyramid at Sagara, did the step pyramid become the norm for royal burials? Yes. Was Imhotep the architect of the Doja Pyramid at Sagara? That could be said. Was Imhotep the architect of other pyramids in his lifetime? He helped here and there. Was Imhotep also a priest, a healer, a sculptor, a government official, an astrologer, and a, and a magician? Yes, he was. Was Imhotep a human? He had the appearance of a human, yes. But you could say his intelligence, spirit, and a lot of factors about him are not human. Why was Imhotep deified as the patron saint of scribes and physicians? Just because of the influence and how important he was. So they wanted to show his importance and his knowledge, which was above and beyond a lot of the commonplace people. Why were there just a few years between the construction of step pyramids and the more familiar true pyramids? Basically because of the connection again of lasting in time. Could you say that again? I didn't quite understand. Yes, so the connection was that the shape and how they were formed would last throughout time. So the connection is that they would last a modern day, such as today. So that's why they were built the same. I think we are going into a break, Justina. Yes, after this short break, we'll continue with the questions and psychic insight about ancient Egypt, part two. And you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xcbn.net.
have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simultv, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simultv. Simultv offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. The new nonfiction book, Razor of Madness, is similar to cult movies like Clockwork Orange, Dragon's Tattoo, or The Other Side of Hell. Wayne Morin Jr. and Thomas Lee Howe will expose widespread and systematic deficiencies in this thought-provoking tell-all novel. Mind control rages among scholars in law schools. Human rights are ignored while thought reform and mental manipulation are accepted practices used as behavior modification. Dr. Louis Jolion West comes to mind. Media and public scrutiny shows that United States mental hospitals are in fact destructive murder industries. Razor of Madness Expose Novel details this epidemic through an in-depth professional and personal investigation. For decades, there has been a revolving door policy that still releases killers and pedophiles back into society. The maestro of mind control continues to haunt America to this very day. Razor of Madness is available in paperback or as a downloadable ebook at Amazon.com. The concept of a new age has been around since the late 19th century, yet much of its original meaning has been lost. What exactly is the new age? Is it a religion? A collection of obscure esoteric practices? A series of doomsday predictions? Or an astrological event? The New Age Chronicles is a unique, complimentary publication bringing reason and grounded information to separate fact from fiction. Chock full of valuable information to support you as we make the monumental shift into the new era. You won't want to miss a single innovative issue. The New Age Chronicles newspaper is coming soon to www.newagechronicles.com. Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, we're going through the questions and the psychic insight about ancient Egypt, part two. So, Dad, can you please continue with the questions? Sure. Were there something like 80 pyramids built in Egypt? Approximately. Have any been completely destroyed after they were built? Many. Were they destroyed by humans to take the building materials away? Some of them, yes, and some of them no longer were in use, and some of them were kind of, you could call them prototypes for the current pyramids. Was the rate of delivery to build the Great Pyramid at Giza one quarried stone weighing 2.5 tons every minute? That could be said. How did the stones fit together so perfectly when only a small variation in temperature would cause the stones to be cut either too big or too small? 
because they were cut very precisely and put into place very, very precisely. So the precision that they had is very remarkable and something that takes very advanced techniques. Is the method described in the book Anti-Gravity and the World Grid for Moving Slabs of Stone by Tibetan monks meditating and using musical instruments correct? Are you asking if that is possible or used for the pyramids? At this point, I'm asking if it is possible and did the Tibetans do it? Technically, it's possible, yes. So if they get to the right frequency, basically they would have to discover how to move energy of the objects to be able to do that. So technically, yes, it would be possible. Was the account true that Tibetan monks could actually move stones in the way described? Some of them, yes. Could the Tibetan monks split stone slabs by the same technique? So yes and no. So again, it would take a very special technique and special person to be able to do that, to achieve that. Was a similar anti-gravity technique using sound and meditation used by the ancient Egyptians to lift and move stones? Partially, but it also had to be combined with more advanced technology too. And it was only special particular people that could actually try these techniques. Was the technology anti-gravity? That could be said. Did the ancient Egyptians split rock by similar anti-gravity techniques? Partially, it did use sound and light, but it wasn't only the humans trying to do this, but they, they had extraterrestrial help. Why does the Great Pyramid have eight rather than four sides? For its function, they needed eight. Were the pyramids built in part to be visible from high, high altitudes? Yes. Were the pyramids built for the purpose of storing grain? No. Were the pyramids built for the purpose of generating electric power? Yes. Did the energy of water flowing through aquifers under the pyramids produce electric current? Partially. Was the electric power transmitted wirelessly through the gold capstone at the top of the pyramid? That could be said. Did Nikola Tesla in the early, early 20th century achieve wireless power in a similar manner? Yes, he did. Did the step pyramids have a different purpose than generating electricity? Not exactly, no. Electricity was used for multiple things, so you could think of their purpose as more wide-ranging. But mostly, yes, it involved electricity. Yes, there were some burials and some storage, but the primary use was more electrical in nature. How was the Great Pyramid aligned north-south so perfectly? Because of the precision they had with the equipment they used. Why are, why are all three Great Pyramids at Giza aligned north-south? Because it was better for their purpose, so it was better for more of a, you could call it, electric generator. Is there any truth in a theory that the location of the Great Pyramids at Giza is based on the arrangement of Orion's belt in the constellation of Orion? No, that wasn't the ultimate purpose of why they were put where they were. Were most of the Egyptian gods based on extraterrestrials? Some of them, yes. Why did the ancient Egyptians build so many sphinxes? Because they are based on certain people. Were they, were they people living in Egypt at the time, or were they gods? Both. So they were people that they saw. They were gods, and their images were portrayed in stone, so they would be everlasting. When was the Great Sphinx built? Was it at about the same time as the Great Pyramids? 
Approximately, but the pyramids were built first. What was the purpose of building the Great Sphinx on the Giza Plateau? Basically to pay tribute to one of the gods slash leaders. Is the god slash leader one that has been written about or is it somebody else? No, it's someone else. Why are there no inscriptions or hieroglyphs that tell the modern world anything about the Sphinx? Because it is one of their best kept secrets. Why is the Sphinx aligned west-east facing due east? It needed to be opposite of the pyramids. Is the Sphinx guarding the Great Pyramids or is it there for another purpose? That could be said that it was guarding and again it's to pay tribute in stone. Why did the reported discovery of a hidden chamber under the Sphinx in 1935 fall out of the public view? Because what they found in the chamber was unexpected. Were records from Atlantis received at Sagara at the time of Imhotep around 4,600 years ago? That could be said. Is there a connection between ancient, Egyptian, ancient Egypt and Atlantis in terms of the records? Yes. Would there be a hidden hall of records underneath the Great Sphinx? There are hidden records all over in the pyramids, in the Sphinx, and around the land. So yes, there are hidden records, but currently the area is obviously controlled by the government, and only certain people are allowed to explore the area. Has there been a cover-up of the true nature and purpose of the Great Sphinx? Yes. What can we learn from the incredible feats of engineering achieved by the ancient Egyptians, including the pyramids and the Great Sphinx? Basically, that studying the pyramids and the Great Sphinx shows how architecture can last through many, many different years and how building techniques today are very different from back then. So today, it's still not possible to put stone together like they did or to split stone like they did. So there are still techniques that humans still don't understand. And there's still this basically awakening of knowledge that can occur. Humans today keep thinking that they're the more intelligent than humans before, but that's not always true. And also that sometimes when something seems very strange, it is because it's strange. So in this case, there was help. There are different techniques. And a lot of people know deep down there's no possible way humans alone could have built the pyramids and the Sphinx without some type of extra help. And basically with electricity, that there's more to the discussion about how the pyramids were used for electricity and how the Sphinx ties in. So hopefully in coming years, there will be more scientific discoveries of not only these different monuments, but also electricity in general. That was, the last, that was the last answer. Was the assistance of extraterrestrials in building the Egyptian pyramids too good to be true? That depends on what you are prepared to believe. Those were all fascinating answers. And again, a big thank you to the listener for the suggestion. You must be delighted to have discussed the pyramids. Yes, I am. But I've, I've got bad news for you. There are other pyramids in other locations. I guess some other shows about pyramids might be in our future. But in a previous show, we discussed sunken pyramids near the Bermuda Triangle and off the coast of Cuba. Are there more you're thinking about? There, there are more, but it depends on the definition, definition of pyramid. Other pyramids are claimed, but they don't necessarily include the true pyramid shape with the pointed top like the Great Pyramid. Can you mention some locations? There are hundreds of pyramids in Mexico and in South America. 
but many are more like the step pyramids or have other shapes. Can you provide an example? Yes, La Venta, Mexico, there is in, sorry, yes, in La Venta, Mexico, there is what is called the Great Pyramid. It is thought to be one of the earliest in South America at 2,400 years old. It is 110 feet or 34 meters high and has a conical shape and made of earth rather than stone. It has never been excavated, but it's thought to be in use for burial. That's a lot more recent and not large or as sophisticated as the best known Egyptian pyramids. What other locations are there? There is the Bosnian Pyramid in Bosnia and Her Herzegovina in southeastern Europe, which is claimed to be 12,000 years old, but that would mean it would have been constructed during the last ice age. But this pyramid is not isolated. There are other pyramid-like features around it. It measures 220 meters or 656 feet in height, higher than the Great Pyramid of Egypt, which is 147 meters or 482 feet high. However, it is disputed as being a pyramid at all. Some argue that it is a natural formation, but its corners are almost perfectly situated north, south, east and west. I've heard about pyramids being found in China. Is that true? There are reported 400 pyramids in the Shangxi region towards the northeast of China. A significant discovery was made when a United States military pilot took aerial photographs of a white jewel-top pyramid in the Shangxi region during World War II. Is there anywhere else you should mention? There's a reported pyramid in Antarctica that is also described as being one of a series of pyramid-shaped mountains. So there may be a pyramid or pyramids in Antarctica, but it would be interesting to find out more. Well, if any listeners want to suggest a show of more pyramids, I know, Dad, you'd be really happy. But if listeners have any other suggestions, we'd love to hear it. And you can go to our Facebook page at Too Good To Be True, our website at TooGoodToBeTrue.net. And as always, thank you so much to the listeners, and we look forward to next week's show. Modern Esoteric, Beyond Our Senses by Brad Olson, consummates the lifeology story about where humanity originates. It is the lost continents, the primitive wisdom, the mythos of creation, and the rethinking of ancient history as we are taught in academia. There is much more to the story than what we have been told. As this is the first book in the Esoteric series, Modern Esoteric starts at the beginning of time and accelerates up to this modern age. Future Esoteric is book two in the series and takes a forward-looking position ahead of today with an open and honest examination of the ET issue and various unexplained phenomena. To discover the writings of author Brad Olson, visit www.bradolson.com. That's www.bradolson.com.
you or is someone you know struggling with addictions, depression, anxiety, relationships, low self-esteem, lack of confidence, grief, success, and prosperity? Do you know that your subconscious belief plays a big role in the outcome of your hard work? We can help you permanently change the beliefs that may be the reason for your struggles and failures. We care about getting you the return on your investment and the results you are looking for. We can help you be free of the limitations of your past and in realizing your highest potential. We work with people by phone and Skype. For more information, visit us at www.ritasoman.com. That's www.ritasoman.com. Do you think you have energy problems in your home? Do you feel better when you're away than when you're home? Joey Korn is a global leader in the world of dowsing who specializes in personal energy clearing and space clearing. He can help you create an ideal energy environment in your home no matter where you live in the world. Learn about his remote spiritual house cleaning services and much more at www.dowsers.com. You can get Joey's book, Dowsing, A Path to Enlightenment, as well as other dowsing books and tools, Kabbalah books, and Walter Russell books. Joey's work is really amazing. Go to dowsers.com right now. That's D-O-W-S-E-R-S dot com or call 1-877-DOWSING. That's 1-877-369-7464.